All right. We're going to talk about church discipline. So uh, guys, why don't you just kind of lay it out there? Do you practice church discipline? If you do practice church discipline, what does that look like? Got any stories or tips you want to share? I'll jump. So I I think two things, uh, and I think in stories. So uh, the first is, for me, is when to not do church discipline. Mm. Uh, I was in my first after seminary church, First Baptist County Seat Church, Mississippi Delta, and uh, we'd had some water damage in the sanctuary, uh, which meant we were going to get to replaster and repaint, which was the only way we could afford to do either one of those things. (laughs) Right. Um, And we had this woman in the church and she was one of the top interior designers in Memphis, really gifted. Um, And uh, we, the chairman of our building and grounds committee, who is a good and godly man and a bean farmer who worked for the Mississippi department of highways. Um, And he was going to pick the colors for the sanctuary because he was the chairman of the building and grounds committee. Hmm. Uh, And his position was those colors were good enough for my grandma. They're good enough for us. Like we're not changing. And I thought, we have these really gifted and capable people and here's one of them and we should at least let her have a shot. And so we're, he and I were bowing up against each other. And I remember calling my father-in-law for counsel, like, how, how do I get him to see this? And he said, let me get this right. You're the new pastor. <laughs> you, you're going to go to war with the chairman of the building grounds committee and the chairman of the deacons over what color to paint the sanctuary. <laughs> right. And I said, it doesn't sound nearly as good when you say it as when I say it. Like some of it is a matter of all the things that bother me, all the people that I don't disagree, that I disagree with are not candidates for church discipline. That's good. Sometimes there's a real humility about, I've just gotten out of my skis on this. Uh, the other thing I would say is, I mean, we have a roadmap, it's Matthew 18. Uh, and I think when you're going to exercise discipline, the key for me has been, so we, in my church, we have bylaws. Uh, the bylaws prescribe three different places uh, and three different ways to fire the pastor. It's like the people who wrote them all had an idea about, like the pastor might go rogue. So got to have a way to get rid of them. Not a word about what to do about a lay person who's gone rogue. That's good. That, that idea never struck anybody. Huh. But sure enough, we had one. Uh, chair of a committee and he started trying to run the church and he's sending just abusive emails. In fact, I, I'm, I had a stack of them and I took him to our chair of the deacons who worked for an oil company in Houston. Uh, Cause I kept saying like, this has gotten out of hand. He's like, ah, it's fine. It's fine. So he read them and he called me back and he said, we have people under our employee and their job is to tell us why we're being stupid. Like if there's hundreds of millions or a billion dollars on the line and we got the fever their job and it's written in their contract we can't fire them no matter what bad things they say about us and they don't talk to us like this (laughs) and so we had to do something even on the like it requires accountability so what i'm saying is like i went to talk to this guy one-on-one nothing so then i called in i called him into a meeting in my office with the current and the past two immediate chairs of the deacons And he said, I want somebody to represent me. So he wanted his Sunday school teacher there. Totally fine. And we met in my office and we said, here's what you're doing wrong. And those, those deacon chairs said, we don't, there's no formal way to do this in our structure, but we believe we have moral authority in the church. Uh, And he, he refused to repent. He refused to Mm -hmm. recognize what he was doing was wrong. And so they said at the next deacons meeting, the three of us are going to make a motion to have you removed as a chair. And you can come and you can fight if you want to, but the next step in the Bible is to take it to the church. And that's what we're going to do. You know, the, we were talking about this before. The hard thing about church discipline is 
in the New Testament world, like there's a church in Thessalonica. And unless you're going to go downtown to go down the next town to Berea, right. this is what you got. In, in our world, you can push people out the door uh, and push them out of the church or push them into the next church and uh, pass your problem along. It's really hard to do redemptive and restorative discipline. Yes. And I, I find for that it's humility, it's small rooms, it's trusted leadership uh, and a lot of prayer. Yeah, that's good. Taylor? Yeah, you know, it's, I think in, in most of our church context, um, you know, I'm assuming the three of us, we have a fairly low threshold for church membership. You know, you right. fill out a card, you join. And I know churches that tend to practice a more formal kind of church discipline tend to have a pretty high threshold of church discipline. I mean, of membership so that, you know, you're, right. you're agreeing to a covenant or something like that. You know, honestly, and, and I'm viewing all those churches from a distance, I, I certainly understand what they're trying to do. And, and respect it. They're trying to live out Matthew 18. It tends to go haywire in so many different ways um, because it's hard to do consistently. Like, right, what sins are we going to discipline? Uh, you know, and so forth. In, in most of the churches that I've been a part of, it happens at the leadership level. You know, so if somebody's in leadership and they're living immorally, then, you know, because there is an actual thing that you can take away in order to exert discipline and that's the leadership position and um, it does take great humility because again it's not about them disagreeing with you uh it really is about you know behavior that causes the you know really shame and harm to the gospel uh that's really where we're stepping in to to bring discipline and um and so you know almost always it's cases of of church leaders lay leaders mm -hmm. or even paid leaders who've and certainly if they're getting paid that's a, a whole different discussion and it, it's actually frankly a lot easier if they're getting paid than if they're not. Absolutely. Um, you know, of all the cases that I have seen, it just doesn't go very well very often. And I think it's predominantly about what Steve was talking about. It's just too easy to go down the street to a different church. Yeah, I, I was going to say our church is probably a little different from y'all in the sense that we have a membership class, but uh, our covenant is not something that, like you were talking about, Sandlin. You know, it's it's more like, um, you know, hey, we'll we'll attend, we'll serve, we'll give, you know, th those, you know, be discipled, that kind of thing. Uh, but we do the membership class just to kind of give a better, you know, understanding of who the church is. Um, so I think maybe we have a little more structure around that, but it's still very similar to what y'all are going to say. But my experience with church discipline has been that the best way, the, the best returns on it actually happen when it starts with people in relationship. You know, I mean, so, I, and I'm sure you guys have stories like this, but the, the most recent one that came to mind, we had a, a young couple, they'd only been married a year or so. And the husband, I mean, essentially just became demeaning toward his wife. And there were a whole host of other issues regarding church. And it was something that was being observed by, um, by the people in their small group. And so basically some of the men in that group, um, felt that they talked about it and they, they tried to follow the Matthew 18 pattern. So they, one went individually, no response. Then, you know, a few of them took him to lunch, said, these are the things that we see we're really worried about. Um, you know, now, as we've already said, you know, he refused to hear that yep. and, and just left the church uh, and sadly ended up leading, leaving his wife. Um, but we do have stories that are the opposite of that, right. you know, where same kind of thing. Hey, there's this, this, unbroken sin pattern. 
And people, like you said, Steve, small rooms. I people in my experience do not respond well to public shaming. No. And I think that's why Matthew eighteen says to start one on one. They, if you have a private conversation, and instead of saying you are this, you say, I'm noticing this. And when you do that, I think that people begin to be open. So those are the places we probably have the most luck. We talk about. Um, I think that's there's a really good fork in the road here. Um, I, I talked to ministers about having a firefighter mentality. If you see the buildings on fire, your first instinct should be to run in. Exactly. Uh, and if that's not your instinct, you're probably in the wrong job. Right. Um, but the the fork is the difference between uh, pastoral care, which is going to stay individual, and church discipline, where there's this escalating exactly. and increasingly. So I, you know, we had a couple in our church and. Um, it was a case where one spouse had done was in a pattern of behavior that that jeopardized their marriage and really uh, safety of the kids, uh, and they had separated. And I found out about it, and so I just started meeting with them both individually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my pitch was, even though like there was one per, there was one spouse clearly had done something, the pattern was there, uh, but I didn't say I'm on your side or your side. I said my job's going to be take the side of your marriage. And neither one of you believe the marriage is going to work right now, but I'm going to believe your marriage is going to work until y'all believe it. I love that. And my my second counsel to him was, if, if you had to make a decision today and the decision would be to get divorced, then don't make a decision today. Right. Let's just give this time and just sitting, listening, praying. You know, so often people come to us and they, they're already exhausted and they've already quit and they just want to. Like, I just wanted to check that off my list, but we caught them early while they had energy. Exactly. And just helping them wait, like they came back together. And it, it's such a beautiful testimony to repentance and change and grace and strong in the broken places. But there, there was no future path where if um, the one spouse didn't change, I was going to bring two more ministers or we were like, right. that's. So I, I guess part of my counsel is like be bold in pastoral care where you never where you know it's never going to expand, and be humble in church discipline where you you have to change a pattern, but there's a process of expanding uh, and more more public work. Yeah, and the thing I would just say is I've heard from all of us the goal is always restoration. Absolutely. You know if if the goal is I want to win this argument. Then you're on the wrong path. Because I love what I love what Jesus says in Matthew 18 is, and if they if if they won't repent to the church, treat them like a tax collector or a sinner, which are the people Jesus hung out with. Right? Right, exactly. Like he's saying, just assume they never really understood any of this anyway, exactly. and go back to square one. The, exactly. the word wasn't kick them into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Right. It was start over. That's good. Yeah, and it's such a spirit, right? Of uh, it's easy for us to fall in the trap as as ministers, and this is where we need accountability. Of you know, so often I think we think of discipline as because we, we do want to protect the reputation of the gospel, but sometimes they we conflate that with our own reputation. And so what we're really worried about is what these people are, you know, what does this say about me? And so it's it's really having that humility to say, you know, that that it's my reputation is not what's at stake here. Um, you know, and how how can redemption because really the stories of redemption are what bring uh, really attention to the gospel because there's so little redemption in the world. And so what does it look like? for people to have genuine difficulties with one another, even even to sin against one another and forgive and to model that forgiveness. I tell people all the time when they join our church, look, if you join our church, stick around long enough and we're gonna make you mad and uh, you're probably gonna make us mad. And and that's just gonna give us opportunity to live out the gospel, to learn exactly. what it means to forgive, 
um, you know, there, there aren't perfect churches and there aren't perfect people in churches. And so as long as we're living life together, uh, we're going to sin against each other. Uh, and, and that shouldn't be a reason for despair. It should be a, a reason to lean into the gospel message and to practice it in our daily lives. Love yep. it. 